Alright, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're going to do a little review from last week. We're in Matthew chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to give a, uh, I'm going to give a couple of uh, kind of points that we talked about last week. And then we're going to have a guest speaker come up uh, and help me out a little bit. But uh, the review from last week, we were talking about noticing the harvest. Jesus is out. He's preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the disciples are following him around. He's starting to heal all sorts of people. It's really starting to ramp up. And Jesus, it says he goes into every town and village. He's, he's going all over the place and he's noticing people. And not only is he noticing people, he's noticing opportunities for the kingdom. He opens his eyes and it says he's, he has compassion for the people because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. The thing we talked about was that the harvest is now. And so what I asked you to do was this last week, when, when you are out and about or you're at school or you're at work or at home, look for opportunities where the harvest is ready. And uh, I asked June Gieslow to share a story that she shared with me about uh, a time this week where she saw that happening and uh, how she responded to it. We didn't get a good recording of this, but uh, June Gieslow, who's in our church, shared a testimony of how she was able to pray with someone at another church that she was uh, touring, and uh, it was perfect analogy. Uh, sorry you missed it. Okay, thanks. Amen. That's how you do it, right there. It's awesome. She's at another church, the Crystal Cathedral, showing somebody around. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's about the kingdom of God. The harvest is now. The second thing we saw was that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There's enough to go around. Okay? If you don't think you're needed in the kingdom of God, you're wrong. Okay? That's a lie the enemy uses. It says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, don't have enough money, or you have too much money and you're too smart or whatever. Okay, the harvest is plentiful. It's abundant. There's tons to do. Even if it's just leading some guy at the Crystal Cathedral to a place to pray and praying for him. Thirdly, the harvest is work. It says, pray therefore that we send, that, that the Lord sends people out into the harvest. That is to shove them out into the harvest. To kick them out into the harvest. Pray that the Lord kicks them out into the harvest, essentially. And then finally, the harvest is deliberate. We talked about um, it's, it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest field. It's deliberate. There's a, he's got a plan. And he's got a plan for every single worker in the harvest, which is you and I. What is that noise? It's beeping. Anyone hear that? Am I going in crazy? Oh, it's my wife. That's nice. Okay. Thank you. Do you still have that pan up here? Lisa walks into church today with a pan. And I'm just like, oh, what did I do? But <laughs> apparently it was for something that she doesn't usually use it for. She was giving it to somebody else instead of whacking me with it. So, so we're going to that fireproof thing, uh, that couples thing to try and do something. Okay. So what are we doing this week? This week, it's called, I've called it Heaven Sent, which is a really lame thing. But I, this was at last night at about uh, 11 o'clock at night. I said I didn't have a title, uh, but I got this cool envelope. So let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Uh, 
verses 5 through 10. And we're going to see what happens here. Jesus says, oh, pray that he sends that, that he kicks workers out into the harvest field. And this is the process of what it's like to be kicked out. Okay, so let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey, extra tunic or sandals or staff. For the worker is worthy of his keep. So Jesus sees the people. He has compassion. He says, pray that God would send out workers. And then off you go. This is the exact same model Jesus has for us. That we would have this attitude of prayer. That we would have this attitude of, Lord God, I, oh, I see the needs around me. And then God begins to give us instruction. Okay? When we looked at our mission statement, we're entitling this whole series, Mission Possible. We look at our mission statement. It's to reach our neighborhood and the surrounding co- communities with the love of the Father. So I want to go through four things in this section of Scripture. Uh, that we can remember this week as we're going. The first is it's a clear command. Now, this is kind of weird. If you read my blog this week, you kind of see this is where I was going a little bit on this point. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus specifically tells them not to share the kingdom with a certain segment of the population. What in the world is that all about? Does Jesus not care about the Gentiles or the Samaritans? What, what's going on here? We know he cares. We read just a few chapters back about how he cured the centurion slave who was paralyzed. Remember that? He loved him. He said, oh, I've never seen anyone in Israel with this kind of faith. He said that to a Gentile. Remember when uh, he went to the Samaritan woman, the first time he claimed, I am the Messiah was to a Samaritan female. To, he just rocked their culture there. When he tells a story about what's it like to be a neighbor, what, what is it like to really demonstrate the love of God, he uses a Samaritan that demonstrates it on what we imagine to be a Jew. It doesn't say, but I'll tell you what, everybody listening to that thought it was a Jew. Right, so we know that Jesus loves Samaritans. He loves Gentiles. He, he loves them, but he's telling them something uh, differently. We know later on at the end of his ministry, Jesus says this. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. All. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's very clear, straightforward instructions. And very clear and straightforward consequences. Second Peter three, nine says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. How can how how does this? How does this coincide? I'll tell you how, because Jesus is giving specific instructions for a specific time to a specific. Number of people. 
He's giving them their kingdom instruction. And we cannot miss this. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants to give you a specific instruction on how you're supposed to go through life, how you're supposed to share the gospel, how you're supposed to present the kingdom of God. I'm relatively sure that God does not want me going to the Dallas Cowboys to share my faith. I, I'm, just, I'm just not getting those signals right now, okay? <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. I can't. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want me to go uh, to, to a farmland in Kansas right now. I, I'm called to a specific place, to a specific section of people, and not just you guys, but just in my own life. The point is, go here, talk to them. This isn't a kingdom uh, principle of Look, when you are in life, you're going to shun some people and you're going to share with other people. It, it's he, God is saying to them, go, go. Don't go here, go here. And so as we begin to look at well, what does this look like in my own life? We have to understand that there's a reason. Remember, it says pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest. It's his harvest. And so he's got jobs for each of us specifically. There are some people that you are required to reach in the name of Jesus because of where you are in life. And maybe only you because God's telling someone else, no, don't go to them. I've got that covered. You don't go to them. You go to them. You don't go to them. You go to them. Great. Cool. Now we can have a harvest. And so it's, it's very, very important to us that we understand this clear command and that we personalize it in our own life to say, Lord, when you say, I don't know where God wants me to go, John. I, I don't, you say he's going to give me a clear command. Well, praise God, he gave us the answer. And it's a few verses before. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. If you don't know who God wants you to minister to, pray. If you don't know, man, I don't really know where I should get involved. Pray. I don't really know if it's these people or these people. I can't come back. Get a coin? No. Pray. I was speaking of coins. I was doing, um, <laughs> I was ref, refereeing soccer for these under 10-year-old girls. And it came time for the coin toss. And, and uh, I said, okay, honey, you call it in the air, okay? And she said, okay. And I flipped up and she went, Quarter. I, I, I let it fall on the ground. I said, you're absolutely right. It is a quarter. Now we're going to try and determine which side of the quarter, right? But that's the thing. Sometimes we get to a thing with the Lord and we're just like, well, I don't know. Heads or tails. And the Lord's like, prayer. Like, no, heads or tails. Prayer. You see what I'm saying? It's like, but that's not the answer. No, that is the answer. You see? God has a clear command and a clear, a, a, a clear um, instructions for you in your life. And so many times we're like, well, is it heads or tails? Heads or tails? And the Lord's like, prayer, prayer, prayer. Forget heads or tails. Prayer. You see what I'm saying? This is what happened to Paul in uh, the book of Acts. During the night. Oh, no. Uh, I went ahead. I got to set this up first. Whew almost blew it there. Okay. 
Paul and his and his companions are they're going out they're they're called to go. So they're going. Right. And so first they start to go to this section called Phrygia. I don't know. Maybe it was cold there. I have no idea. And Galatia. And it says that they've been they were kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Like. It's Paul. I mean, if he could just stop in Asia for a little bit, I'm sure he could plant a church and get something going. But the Holy Spirit specifically said, do not go to Asia. So then he moves on. It says they tried to enter uh, Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So they're, they're traveling around. They, they, they're on their way to Asia. No, nope, not Asia. They're on their way to Bithynia, wherever that is. Nope. OK, so off they go again. They went down to Troas. And here's what happened. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging them, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, God had a plan. He's like, no, no, don't go to Asia. I'll take care of that. I've got that covered. Don't worry about it. Don't go to Bithynia. I got someone else coming in. It's a long, drawn-out story. It doesn't involve you. You go to Troas. Goes to Troas, gets a vision. They concluded that God wanted us to talk to them. To them. Go here, talk to them. And as you think about your life, as you think about where you go to school, where you work, your family members, the neighborhood you live in, God wants to talk to you and say, go here and talk to them. And you say, well, I've never had a vision from God like that. Some man standing, my neighbor standing there. I don't want a vision of my neighbor standing there. He frightens me, right? (laughs) What do we do? We go back a few verses and we pray. We pray and we pray and we pray. Listen, church, I'm going to make a very harsh statement. If we're not willing to pray for the kingdom of God, to pray for the lost, to pray for those around us, to pray for vision on what we're supposed to do. It ain't happening in your life. If you don't care enough to pray, you're not going to care enough to do it. Now, some people care enough to do it, but they're missing the whole point. That it's God's harvest, God's kingdom. And sometimes they're talking to the wrong people in the wrong manner. It's very important that we get these things from God. Go here, talk to them. A clear command. There are people with whom you are responsible to share the gospel. And maybe it doesn't come in the form of God has a wonderful plan for your life, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe It, it might come in the form of just bringing them meals on wheels when you know that they're pre- when the, when the wife just had a baby, okay? Again, it's a clear command. God will instruct you. Here's what I want you to do: give them a call and just encourage them, okay? All right, clear command. But you are responsible for some people. Secondly, a clear call. As you go, preach this message: the kingdom of heaven is near. It's a clear call. A clear message. The kingdom of heaven is near. We have been talking about the kingdom of heaven. I don't know how long, but it's been months. Okay? It happens to be, as you can tell, a theme of mine. All right? About trying to figure out in my life where I'm focusing too much on the world and not enough on God's kingdom. To me, that is the key. Especially in America where it's just so, we have so many things abundant to us. 
So many distractions. But he goes and he says, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, this is the same message John the Baptist preached. Remember when Jesus was coming on the scene? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Jesus, when it said after he'd been baptized, he started to go out. He began to preach this message. What message? The kingdom of heaven is near. And it's the same message Jesus gives to the disciples. Now, what what would that look like to them? Now, one of the things I want to talk to you about this command that the disciples had was the disciples had the command of going to the Jews first. Okay, it wasn't that God didn't care for the Gentiles. It's just that this was Israel's last chance at at making it right with God for the Messiah to, 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 to have him be their leader. This is it. And he knows they're going to say no, but he gives them their shot. The second thing is the disciples go to the people that was most naturally be able to share with them, to articulate what's going on. So when he goes to the the uh, the Jews and they say the kingdom of heaven is near, it makes sense. The Jews are starting to think, wow, could this be it? Could this be the Messiah? The Gentiles, it would be a, it would be a different message. But but the the Jews would mo- it would most resonate with the, with the with the disciples because of their lifestyle because they have had generations of Judaism and they'll they'll speak in the same terms okay and that's another thing you'll notice as you present the gospel God has placed you in a certain culture with certain ways to articulate things that I can't articulate okay if you're a mechanic. You're going to be using word pictures and stuff to share the gospel in ways. that I Let me tell you, if I need to share the gospel with a mechanic, he ain't believing because I don't know any of the terms and I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. So I'll be like, it's like when you're filling your tank with gas and you pinch your finger in the middle there. And the guy will be going, you're a sissy. I, I know I, I'm, I'm not called to minister to mechanics. OK, no, I'm my point is there are certain cultural things, certain places you are that you identify with. Does that mean you exclude everyone else? No, but it might be a hint to where your calling is. And so they come with this thing. The, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what would that look like for the disciples? Well, they'd walk into a synagogue or whatever, and they'd begin to say, man, the kingdom of heaven is near. And they'd get a couple of things. They'd either get people go, cuckoo, you know, what are you talking about? Or they get people come up. What is that? And what would the disciples begin to share? Stories. They would begin to share stories. You'll never guess what happened. I, I think this guy's the Messiah. Get out. No. Okay, so we went to this island. Well, first of all, we're on our way to this island and there's this huge storm. And I promise you, he calmed the storm. Get out. He didn't. I swear, I swear. Someone else. Yeah, I heard about that. You guys were there. They begin to share their story about how the kingdom of God radically impacted their lives. They begin to share stories about how they were with Jesus and he was teaching. And, and they, they'd say things like, listen, we weren't the only ones there. There were leaders from every synagogue in Judea and, uh, and, and uh, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. They were all sitting there listening to him. And all of a sudden, some idiot starts opening up the roof of my mother-in-law's house. Okay, we think it might have been in her mother-in-law's house. Maybe not. Maybe it's just like the house five doors down from my mother-in-law, Peter's saying. And they lower this paralyzed guy down. And you know what Jesus says to the guy? Your sins are forgiven. And those, the Jews talking would be like, what? He said, what? 
You can't say that. No, listen what happened. Then he says, which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And the guy gets up and walks. And people are beginning, you're kidding me. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm telling you guys. And then one time he did this. And another time he did this. One time a guy with leprosy came up and right there in front of our eyes, he was healed. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's right here. I'm telling you, I've experienced it. That's what their message looks like. They are being radically transformed by the power of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I've, I've, we've gone over this section of scripture a bunch of times. I use it a lot in sermons because it's so pivotal to who we are as a church and where our mission statement's going. So I'll never get tired of using it. And I might use it next week just to bug you guys, to tell you I'm serious about this. No, I'm kidding. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. This is the experience we have in Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of saying we've been brought close to God. We are impacted by the power of God. We're cleansed of our sin. It's, it's making a huge difference in how we live. The kingdom of God is near. This is what he's done in my life. That's what a clear call looks like. Stories. They had no scripture at that time. They had no Romans road. For any of you who've been around church for a long time, there's a way to share the gospel of Jesus through the book of Romans. It's called the Romans road. And you use various verses. There was no Romans. (laughs) I mean, there were Romans there, but there was no church in Rome. There was no four spiritual laws. Maybe there was some type of thing. Maybe they walked in and said, you know, number one, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, blah, blah, blah. No, they shared stories of what God was doing right in front of their eyes. And part of the harvest, part of noticing the harvest is noticing what God's doing and reminding yourself of all the great things he's done. So you have something to share. We have this clear call. Thirdly, we have clear credentials. Look at the credentials the, that, that the uh, disciples were given. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. It would be way easier for me to share my faith if I could do that stuff. Wouldn't it? That'd be cool. It's like, man, you walk up to somebody, they're their legs broke or whatever. And you're just like, man, you should really believe in Jesus. Think cast falls off. Oh my goodness. Right. What, what, what's going on there? I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't God give everybody that kind of stuff? It'd make it easier. Wouldn't it? Oh, he must be a Christian. Cause I saw him raise someone from the dead. You know, you'd be invited to all the funerals, right? <laughs> <clears throat> That would be a trip. What's going on there? We talked about this before. They're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, for, for them at this time, it meant this, this is what God, it says uh, in another account of this, it says Jesus gave them the power to. He imparted on them this power. 
Okay, you say, well, why, why don't we see it now? Like, why, do, why? That would be great to have now. Well, one of two reasons. Either we don't have enough faith or God's not giving us the power right now. I've seen him give people the power to heal for a short time. It's just that now he's not choosing not to do it. Does it happen? Absolutely, it happens. Absolutely. He's telling them this is the way the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be manifested in your life. These are going to be the signs of your credentials. And if you think you don't have those things, you do. The scriptures make it clear. Your power in the Holy Spirit might be differently, might work differently, but it's the same deal. You go with a clear call and you demonstrate the Spirit's power. What does that look like? You're able to encourage in a time of crisis. When you're going through a time of crisis, you're able to encourage. You're able to give a word of discernment. You know, some people, um, that's their spiritual gift. Where you can walk into a room or a situation and be able to discern, you know what, there's something not right here. That's from the Holy Spirit. It needs to be exercised. You might have the spirit of uh, the gift of hospitality. Where you're super tired, you work all day long, you get the kids ready for school, you go to work, you come back, get them all ready, and still you're having company over. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the point. That section in 2 Corinthians I was talking about, that we have the ministry of reconciliation, here's what it looks like. The very next verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. An ambassador has an incredible responsibility to represent his country or his kingdom, if you will. And just recently in Bolivia, we, they, they kicked out our U.S. ambassador because they said, yeah, you know, he's causing, you know, division. So they kicked him out. You know, big, big deal going on there. Why? Because it's like you're kicking out a country when you kick out the ambassador. Okay? Sometimes ambassadors get caught acting inappropriately and they, the country makes this declaration, we do not approve of that and he's being ousted because he does not represent our country. See, God has empowered you to represent him as though he were the one representing you. You say, oh my goodness, my life doesn't look like that at all. Well, he works through, it says, jars of clay. (laughs) He works through jars of clay. No, you don't. You cannot represent him very well. Neither can I. But we but 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 he he puts this glory in jars of clay. Why? Because when we do something great, everyone says that couldn't possibly have been them. That couldn't possibly be them. And so we have these clear credentials of operating in the spirit. Now, what's what do we have that's the same as the miracles they had back then? Now, sometimes we do have the same miracles. People being uh, healed of disease. We've seen it in our own church for crying out loud. We've seen these miracles. I've seen demons cast out. Okay, we've seen these things. But what else does it look like? Well, here's the deal. Here's the common denominator. Every miracle had to do with people. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Drive out demons. Have an impact on somebody in a supernatural way. That's how I would translate that verse. I've given you, I've imparted on you the power of the spirit. Now go have an impact on somebody's life in a way that goes outside yourself. Okay. See, Jesus could have given them the power. He could have said, look, 
When you enter a city, here's what I want you to do. I've given you this power. Stand in the middle of the city and go like this. And you'll grow to 25 feet tall. And you'll grow and then you'll say, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then I'll send down fire and we'll like put a big ring of fire around you and then smoke and then you'll disappear. It could have been that. I personally would have preferred that if it were me. Okay, because that would have been cool. But it's not. It has to do with people. It has to do with having an impact, having the spirit come say, look, I got to tell you about the kingdom of God. It looks like this. For them, it was healing, casting out demons. For us, it might be that. It might also be writing someone a note of encouragement or giving someone a strong word and saying, you know what? You're just not living the way you were designed to live. That's the spirit's credential. All the miracles pointed to God, but they had an impact on people. And so we need to begin to think in terms of, well, man, I've been given peace in this situation. Why? For me to have peace? And I have joy in this situation that I shouldn't have joy in. Awesome. Praise God. Why? Just so you can have joy and peace and live in a cave? No. Freely you've received. Freely give. What have we received? Well, we've freely received received grace. So give it. Give it. We freely receive forgiveness. Give it. We freely receive compassion. Give it. We've freely been given an amazing country to live in with amazing blessings. Give them. You see, that's the point. Freely you've received, freely give. One last verse here. Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. How is God demonstrating his power in your life right now? How? You got one or two answers. You either know the answer and go, wow, you know, man, he's really changed my life. Whatever that is, start giving it away. Or, gee, I don't really know. Go back some verses. And begin to pray, Lord, I don't I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to and I don't feel your spirit's power. He knows exactly. What it is for you. And he's not in the business of hiding it, so he will impart power to you. He will impart instruction to you. He also might impart, you know what, we're going to just try and get this one section of your life cleaned up first, but you have to do it through me. Lastly, a clear contentment. What is it with the cell phones this morning? Well, you know what we need? A little slide in the beginning. Uh, unless you're a brain surgeon, uh, an on-call... No, I'm kidding around. I just like giving people a hard time. A clear contentment. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Now, what's that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. God wants you to be poor. He doesn't want you to have a dime to your name and he wants you to wander around the street corners going, the kingdom of heaven is near the kingdom of. No. okay, it's obviously not that. What's he saying? What's going on with the disciples? Well, if it were me and someone was sending me out like on a trip, you ever pack for a trip, right? You start thinking, okay, well, it might be cold, so I'll bring a sweater. It might be this. It might be that. Okay, all these different things. So we say, what, what, what is the, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, 
Everybody, can you do me a favor? Right now, just turn your cell phones off, no matter how much noise they're making, because for some reason this morning, it's distracting the heck out of me. I don't know why. Normally, I can let it go, but that vibrating thing, I don't know what it is. What is that? Gosh. Lord, give me patience and strength to get through this. There we go. Go ahead. doesn't matter. Even if it makes noise when it turns off. I'll take that. All right. A clear contentment. So here they are. They're about ready to get sent on this thing. If it were me, I would make sure, okay, well, I, I need some spare change just in case. I got my credit cards, you know, okay, good. Just if, just in case of emergency, I can rent a camel if I get there and I need something real bad or whatever the deal is, okay? If there's no man of peace there, there's probably a nice Hyatt or if it's Jewish, a Hyatt. Uh, but um, that's Yiddish for hotel, um, right? Jesus is saying, look, This is the important part. I know I was just messing around, but this is the important part. When you're doing kingdom work, you don't have to worry about a thing. You do not have to worry about a thing. How does this look in our own life? This is very important because a lot of times kingdom work takes risk. It's very risky for these guys. They were sent out in twos. They live in a certain area. They're going to enter this strange town. And start saying the kingdom of heaven is near. That's very bizarre. I'd be scared if it were me. But God imparted them with this power. And this clear instruction. And a clear call. And he's saying don't worry about it. So. Let's say. You're at work. And the Lord is just pressing on your heart. Go talk to that boss. And you're like man. I might lose my job. The worker is worthy of his wages. You don't worry about that. I got that covered. Or you're, you're out on the football field or soccer field or wherever, and there's a parent there, and you're starting to strike up a conversation. And you think, man, they're going to think I'm weird. This is, don't worry about it. When you're doing kingdom work, you don't have to worry about a thing. He's got it all covered. See, where we get into trouble, or at least where I get into trouble in my own life, is where I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to like do kingdom work, but also build my kingdom down here at the same time. I'm trying to like get the raise and get the promotion and get the thing. But and then I, I kind of kind of cross in between. And so I got money in my money belt and then that becomes what I depend on. Well, if I try to heal this guy and I can't, at least I got a place to stay because <laughs> I got some money in my money belt. I mean, all these things, the staff was a symbol of power, okay? So you don't walk in with a staff and go, the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm coming with authority. We don't use our titles, our earthly titles for for that. It doesn't matter if you're a manager or not. I always crack up. If you've said this to me, um, uh, I don't remember anyone here saying this to me, but this is the word picture when someone says this that I have. When I ask somebody what they do, and they say, I'm a manager or general manager or something or president. And then they say, I, yeah, I've got about 75 people under me. I always picture like this mass of people all like intertwined and the guy like standing on top of them all like, <laughs> yes, I've got 75. These are the people I've stepped on to get where I am. And now I've got 75 people under me. Right. OK, of course, it's a silly word picture. And if you said that to me, I was thinking that, but I. <laughs> apologize. It's just, I'm a visual learner and that's the thing that comes on. Okay. 
And you had a very nice crown on your head. It was very cool. But, uh, but that's what I think of. Jesus is saying, you don't have a title. You don't have any money. You bring nothing to the table. In kingdom work, guys, you don't bring a thing to the table. But, but I'm, I have an education. God can use it. I've got money. God can use it. But he doesn't need it. Just because he chooses to use it doesn't mean he, need it. he needs it. Now, there's other things that we can do to stifle that. God wants us to grow in certain areas, and we're not going, well, if he can use me with a million dollars, he can use me with two dollars. I'm not going to do anything with my life. No, there's, he, he's got a plan for you. Demonstrate all the things that he's gifted you with. But the point is, God doesn't need the money. He doesn't need you to have a good retirement before you get started in kingdom work. When you're doing kingdom work, the worker is worthy of his wages. He's got it all figured out for you. And so you say, well, man, I, need, I really need a job. And people pray. I pray. If you need a job and you tell me I need a job, I'm praying for your job. I'm praying for you to get a job. But what should be happening is the prayer should be, Lord, if having a job helps me advance the kingdom, Lord, show me how. If, you know, it, it should be a kingdom mindset. That's all he's saying to the disciples. Here's the way Paul put it. Paul put it this way. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. What's, what is it? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He's always going to give you the strength to do kingdom work. Always. Always. He's always going to give you the wisdom to do kingdom work. He's always going to give you uh, an idea of being able to see the people and have compassion. If your spiritual gift is hospitality, he's going to give you the strength to have those people over. Even when you seem so tired and you're going to find joy in it. If your gift is teaching and you go, man, I'm just too busy to teach. You're too busy. See, but I have got to get all these things done. God will give you the strength, but it has to be kingdom first. If we're trying to get all this figured out first, we're never going to operate in the kingdom. And, and if we've never been in a situation where the kingdom just totally takes forefront and we forget the world, then we've never really experienced a true relationship with Jesus. If you've never been in the part where you're like, you know what, God, I don't even care anymore. Even if it's just for five or ten minutes, <laughs> right? You just get that feeling of, you know what? I'm just going to trust in you and operate in your power. I, I'll bet you I'm going to go out on a limb. I want to see a show of hands of anyone who's ever experienced, even for a second, going, you know what? I don't care about this anymore. I just want to see if you show me. I know, I know you're out there. I know it because he does it all the time. The rest of you were scared. Scaredy cats. Just raise your hand next time. All right? No, I'm kidding. Look, what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into a, uh, uh, a section of, of, of the service that is more silent, is a quiet time of, of worship. And here's my last point, that your number one focus must be the kingdom. It must be the kingdom. Jesus said it this way. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
What does that mean? Don't make money? No, of course not. It means don't store it up. Don't be focused on it. Don't be planning on that whole thing. Why? Because you're going to miss something else. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The point is to get our treasure in heaven, to notice the, 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 have compassion on the crowds and say, Lord God, what would you have me do to go back a few verses and get on our knees and pray? And that's what we're going to do during this time. We're going to play some slower worship music and we leave the altar open. You can come up anytime. You can stay in your pew. You can stand. You can lie down. I don't care what you do. But we're going to come into this time and we're just going to go before the Lord and say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And who do you want me to talk to? We are in love. We are in love. We are.